Welcome to Conversations in Equine Science. My name is Kate Acton and I'm joined by Nancy McLean. And this is the podcast where we take equine research and try and make it accessible to horse owners and enthusiasts alike. Remember that with each topic we discuss, it's important to get professional advice before implementing any of the strategies. This week, Kate and I are continuing our discussion on the paper entitled, What Would Be Good for All Veterinarians to Know About Equine Nutrition? Now, this paper was authored by Dr. Patricia Harris and Dr. Megan Shepard. And uh, we're on the section of the paper that discusses um, how much horses can eat, um, how we should measure that and how you can figure in your pasture content and subtract that from the ration you're feeding in the barn or as a supplement to their pasture. So uh, one thing I found so interesting was that um, fresh forage like pasture grass, the intake on that, especially in ponies, can be 5% of their body weight through a 24-hour period. So horses, um, Kate mentioned to me previous when we were uh, talking, what we were going to hone in on on this was about horses being selective grazers. So they'll pick out the more sugary, more tastier grasses over the non-tastier grasses. So if you have a lush pasture, there's a, um, you know, they'll do voluntary intake that can go anywhere from one and a half to five and a half percent body weight. So I've got some horses that, you know, they are slow eaters out in the pasture. And then I've got that pony that can out eat all the horses put together. So (laughs) it's just very much, um, oh, I guess it. you go through this paper and you pick your scenario. Don't you think, Kate? Because each horse is different. I think so. And I think what stood out from the selective grazing is the fact that even if your horse is, you know, 24 hours on pasture and you think you've got a diverse pasture, it may be sweeter than you think it is. And they're going to selectively eat that, as Nancy said. So even if they are only eating one and a half percent of their body weight, you might actually notice them putting on a little more weight, especially in ponies. We tend to see this a bit more. because they're a bit more prone to getting, you know, a bit chunkier, that crusty neck. So even horses that are on 100 percent pasture, we have to be careful with them and we sometimes have to limit them because of that sugar um, content. Is that how you would put it, Nancy? Yeah, you really have to be careful because the, as the sugar has access to sunshine, those sugars are pulled up to the top of the the plant and that's what they're going to nip off. So, as I had said earlier, it's kind of like they're nipping off a sweet tart because it's such concentrated sugars at various times of the year. And um, I thought it was really good that, say, like 
my horses may go out eight to 12 hours. So then when they are in the barn, you make sure the forage you feed is 25 to 50% of what you would normally feed them as if they weren't getting pasture or say they were on winter pasture that really doesn't have much nutrition to it. So um, that's how I do it. And I kind of figure it. And for the most part, my horses stay in good body condition. Um, however, the pony is the one she's more prone to putting on a little uh, weight. So she's the one that has to have the exercise. And instead of, I guess I would say, taking away her feed from her or lessening that amount of hay, I give more browsy hay or hay that doesn't have high calories to it. So you give, um, you know, it's like a low calorie diet. They have to keep eating. They need that 2% body weight of forage going into them. And uh, so you don't want to, you know, put them at risk for colic and other digestion problems. So you just give a little less nutritious hay and they still have busy work to keep that chewing going on. So I think from a practical point of view to apply this, um, look at your horse now as they are. Are they, this where you do have to be critical because when it comes to body condition scoring, um, typically I think as owners, we tend to be more lenient and we think they're, you know, on the fitter size more than they potentially are. Um, so take a look at your pony or your horse to size on a body condition score, which you can look up online. They've got handy pictures that go with that scale. If your horse is ideal, then take a look at how much of that um, dry matter they're getting and how many hours they're out of pasture. And if they're ideal, you can keep that exactly the same. The rule of thumb, so it's 1.5% up to 5.5% body weight. So you should roughly know how much your horse weighs um, from routine worming. You may have a weigh tape at home or some um, method of measurement. Obviously, scales is the best, but a lot of yards don't have scales. So then once you work out what percentage of the dry matter you're going to give them, I just found this really handy. So Nancy's pointed out um, the four or the eight to 12 hour pasture but this is the guideline they've given. So they say, if your horse is 24 hours in a stable, we obviously need to provide 100% of their forage. If they're four to eight hours in a pasture, then we need to provide between 50 and 75%. If they're eight to 12 hours, we need to provide between 25 to 50%. And if they're 24 hours turned out to pasture, somewhere between zero to 25%. And that's to account for, as Nancy mentioned, where we probably have a lower um, nutrition content of the pasture, especially in winter, and depending on your climate and where you live. And sometimes that sun-baked grass can have a low content as well, where it's almost over-scorched. So taking that into account as just, I think that was a quite nice, like handy one going from when they're 24 hours in a stable down to 24 hours in a pasture. But what is that practically? So they had actually 
so they said horses at a healthy weight need to be fed forage ad libitum so they can eat as much as they want but at the minimum it has to be 1.5 percent of their body weight now obviously we say as much as they want but that's at a healthy weight if they're overweight we will have to limit how much they eat but for example a 500 kilo horse should be offered a minimum of um, 7.5 kilos of dry matter forage per day. So that's going to vary depending on the type of forage you're feeding. If you're feeding hay, that's a 90% dry matter, then they need about 8.5 kilos of hay every day. If you're feeding haylage, then that's 11 kilos of haylage. So I know it's a lot of numbers <laughs> we're calling out, and I'm the kind of person that I have to write it down. But if you do need to just pause the podcast, you know, scroll back, write the numbers down, it it always makes more sense on paper. But I just think this is, it's a really handy guideline to have to be able to run by and to kind of get an idea, right, am I feeding that much? And if your horse isn't 500 kilos, you know, work it out based on what their weight is. Yeah, I thought this was really handy. In fact, I figured out what I should be feeding. And I put mine in pounds for the uh, U.S. listeners. So if you have a thousand pound horse and you feed um, 2% body weight, say um, it's a thoroughbred, it's in work um, and you want to supply 2% of its body weight, you would, um, that would be 20 pounds. And then you would divide that by two to get that 50% amount um, because say you have them turned out eight to 12 hours and then uh, you could give that 10 pounds at, you know, the bring in time around dinner time or meal time and then at night hay and then for their morning hay. So um, you would just make sure that what you're giving would equal 10 pounds. And then say you have a pony that's half that size. Um, well, the pony normally at 100% forage would take in 10 pounds of hay, and then you divide that by 50%. So you would only be feeding that pony five pounds of hay a day at three different times. And then you're achieving more of a trickle feeding pattern for them. And then they go out eight to 12 hours where they're eating. What did they say, Kate? Out of 24 hours, a horse eats 16 hours. Approximately, yeah. You know that they've, as a time budget. So um, I think, so I went ahead and figured it out. And I think I'm pretty close. I think the pony might've been getting a little more. So uh, we'll add a, maybe a little browsier hay, but um, there's also a great book out there that it's free. You can get it online and it's by the National Research Council and it's called The Nutrient Requirements of Horses. And um, it has a calculator. So if you need to go through and add your feedstuffs, including your forage and your concentrates, it will tell you what requirements are being met and which ones aren't. Now, it's just an estimation and it's 
depends a lot on what you enter. So you have to make sure your scales are correct and what you're entering is correct. And then that's only on an as-fed basis. So what may dribble out of the mouth, um, it does figure in the dry matter for that substance. So if it's um, the dry matter is 90%, you know, then your uh, wet matter or is going to be 10%. So it automatically figures that for you. So you don't have to mess with that. So it's a good resource. And um, I have used it to see if my rations were uh, close to what I thought they were. And uh, you can get it, just Google um, the name of that book and the online version comes up for free. And I think something really important that you said there, Nancy, was um with your pony what you're gonna have to do is add in a bit more browsy yeah. um hay or as we mentioned in the previous episode adding in straw so they must have minimum 1.5 percent body weight in forage if they're overweight we just need a lower energy content in that forage so that's where we're still giving them one and a half percent of their body weight but it's not purely hay. We're now mixing hay with straw mm-hmm. to try and get that weight back. And that is from an article um, that they mention in this paper. And the article is by Megan Shepherd, And it's called Nutritional Considerations When Dealing with an Obese Adult Equine. So there's loads of links to really useful articles throughout this paper as well. Um, and we'll mention some more of them as we go along. But Megan Shepherd has another one also to point out, and it's basically the same, but for underweight. So nutritional considerations when dealing with an underweight adult or a senior horse. Um, it's definitely worth reading up on these different conditions, because even if you've got a healthy horse now, just consider how old they are. Are they going to be moving into their senior stage soon? And you can kind of preempt that and be prepared for it. Yeah. And then you kind of, they make you realize that your ration should reflect that individual equine's nutrient needs. And that can be um, the exercise amount. It could be restrictions for managing diseases. Um, It could be the feeds that are available. So the the plant-like material that's growing at that certain times of the year in your pasture. And then also it accounts for palatability. So if you are feeding something that is not palatable to the horse, you're wasting your money because they're not going to eat it. And so um, it, I think the long stem forage is important, but you have to make sure the horse has the dentition to be able to chew that long stem forage. And on the note of palatability, we do have a previous episode where we talk about palatability because the um, packaging the food actually comes in affects the palatability for some horses. So it might not necessarily be that feed type. It may just be how that company packages it. So worth having a scroll back and having a listen to that episode as well, because it was really interesting how the horses could tell the difference. Yep. And it is if you have a thinner horse, 
then you may have to provide more energy and you can do that by feeding uh, less mature forage. Um, my pony does not need less mature forage. <laughs> she does well enough out in the pasture on her own, but being in a stall, maybe eight hours or more, she they do need that chewing and they need that being able to uh, forage. So then we go with the um, mature hay. And I don't give but 50% of what would be considered a stemmy or browsy hay because that was that amount we talked about last week. You know, don't get, don't go overboard and give too much browse that's thick you know, it's okay to give that long stem softer hay, just mix it. And I actually take different cuttings of hay and blend them and kind of make a salad for my horses. So I might give them some first cutting for brows. I might give them second cutting for soft if I have third cutting at that time and just kind of mix different flakes together. And, um, you know, then they can kind of forage in their stall. That, I mean, since we started doing the podcast, Nancy, that has all been very new to me because I didn't, I had no concept even of the different cuttings of the hay. Yeah, And I think that's a good example of how you can go along and like, obviously, my mayor has made it to her 20s. and She's fine. But you can go along, you know, just kind of skimming the surface and not knowing enough about what you're doing or how you're feeding them. Um, but I think definitely for performance and for the health of them, you know, upping it a little bit more. I think I'm probably just very lucky, too, because my mayor is a Connemara. So, you know, they're hardy mountainous region ponies really well not mountainous but like hilly rocky region they're pretty tough horses so that's and they're used to being out to pasture all year round and she's out all year round and even in her 20s does really well you know rarely we supplement with feed it's normally hay through the winter that we're supplementing with um but they I mean they eat the trees they eat the bushes, they make use of everything that's on that hillside. And they really need that volume of fiber to bulk out the gut and to stop colics, some colics occurring where there's not enough bulk and that's where the gut kind of slips over itself and we get what's called an intussusception. So yeah. we really do need that bulking to and keep the gut healthy. That's why I don't cut the amount of forage the pony gets, I just cut the the energy that that forage provides, which is the, the calorie content. And sometimes we call it calories. I think, what do you guys call it? Joules? Kate, you measure it in joules? We, we have both measurements on human food over here. We would have kilocals and kilojoules. Okay. But we would, I think we would more often use the term calorie. It's more universal. Yeah. And if anybody questions, I, I know it's expensive to have hay tested. So you can go to Equianalytical and just kind of look for the type of hay you're feeding. And even though there's huge standard deviations, you might get a little bit of an idea 
of what the calorie content is by that description. And they have a huge database of different haze that people send in from all over the country. And um, hopefully you'd be able to find your, your hay source and um, have at least a guess of what you're feeding calorie wise. Yeah. And when you, it comes, yeah. No, I was just going to say, remember the episode we did that people could really pick out good hay by looking at it and smelling it. And yes, I forgot all, about that one. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a good way to look at it, too. If it looks like good hay and it smells great and you see um, some a lot of leafy and, you know, things in it, then you probably are feeding a good calorie hay and you might want to cut back or add a little browsier hay to bring that down a little bit I think that's a great point because in that episode they did say that people were actually a good judge yep yeah so but anyway um I've got thoroughbreds that sometimes can get a little thin, especially in the middle of winter. I've got the pony that can pretty much um, be fat all year round. So what I can do then is I don't blanket her in the winter. I let her keep herself warm and I never cut the hay. So that's a main point. Don't start. You can't starve a fat horse into fitness. You've got to increase output by exercise and then lessen your calorie intake um, of the feed. Yeah, it's really important that any horses that are obese or overweight get guidance before you come up with the diet for them, unless yeah. you're experienced in it, because they basically they'll get um metabolic diseases and they can get disorders if you cut the calories too severely it's particularly detrimental in horses you can cut calories easier in humans and dogs even in cats but with the with the structure of the liver basically in the horse we start to cause problems so get advice before you put your horse on any kind of strict diet and as Nancy said, see, can you actually increase output first? Can we add a little bit more exercise in, make them do a little bit more work and go from there? Um, one thing that I kind of took away from this paper, Nancy, and you would have more experience with rations. So I was interested to see if you felt the same way. But when I was reading about the different cereals you add in and you know, oats contain 40% starch, barley's around 50, corn's around 60. I just got to a point where I thought to myself, to me, the easiest thing has to be get a good quality pelleted food and feed that instead of trying to mix your oats, your barley, your oils, adding in minerals in there as well and trying to make sure that you've got a good rounded mix. Yeah. Surely it's just easier to get a good quality pellet. You know, it, I think sometimes we make feeding horses way too complicated. I mean, sometimes I've been in barns where they have a supplement for everything. And I just think sometimes a, some horses don't need anything more but a nice balancer that provides all the um, 
you know, nutrients that are missing from the pasture or the forage. So um, I, other horses like racing thoroughbreds, they need a good concentrate. And I think you can't go wrong by getting a premix or a uh, concentrate pellet that you know what's in it. Um, and you can go ahead and, and take the feed tag. What you want to know um, is that you're meeting the requirements. You can do a ration calculation, um, whether it's at um, horsemath.com or at the NRC website. Um, you can do your own and see just how close you're coming to what the requirements are. And then you can always do one by hand, too. You have to convert it from pounds to kilograms because all those amounts on the feed tags are based upon per kilogram fed. So um, you, you just have to make sure you keep all your measurements in this the same so kilogram keep it in kilogram and convert those things you can't compare pounds to kilograms and all that but um i believe that's true kate i mean i feed a pelleted food that i know what's in it um my thoroughbreds get that the pony gets nothing more but a ration balancer and um you know it works out good i mean they they all look good they're in good body condition and the main important thing is they don't get many illnesses um their immune systems are where they should be and so that's you know, one of the ways, um, if they're wormy or they tend to have a parasite burden, something may be wrong. So you, in that instance, you want to make sure you build up a good immune system by giving them the right nutrients. And the reason we end up talking so much about forage in a lot of episodes, I would say, is that your horse's energy intake really should come from just forage if possible. Um, and then if forage is not enough, that's where you move on to including balancers, as Nancy's mentioned, or the complementary feeds or needing to add in minerals. If you've got a good quality forage, that's absolutely perfect. That's all that they need. If your horse is not doing as well or you think that they're either overweight or underweight, that's where we need to basically make adjustments to the diet. But forage is key. And if they can get the majority of their energy from forage, then it's only where we've got horses that are, you know, doing working or competition or, you know, in. And I would include when I say working horses, I mean, like horses that are in regular exercise is a working horse to me. So particularly riding school horses, they're all working horses. That's where we're going to have to add in. And they're going to need that little bit more where we've got horses sweating, then they're going to need those mineral licks. So just taking all of our knowledge kind of to try and bring it all together, I suppose, and make it more digestible. If I was going to make a pun on the information, <laughs> forage is key. And then from forage, we start to see how we can improve. Yeah. And I wanted to say, since I brought up the feed labels, um, regulations are different between countries. So currently there's no regulatory maximum definitions for feeds labeled as restricted 
or low starch. So be careful. Some feed says low starch, but when you get down into the doing the math, it's really not low starch. So, um, and that's in the United States. So we've got to be careful, really be critical when you're looking at those labels. And then also don't be shy, call those feed companies, talk to a nutritionist and find out you know, what you're looking for on that label. Sometimes iron amounts are not given on a label. So, but you can call them and find out what the amount is. So you're able to, to do your own ration calculations or give it to an equine nutritionist that will do a ration calculation for you. And always check with your um, hay or your forage provider what pesticides are potentially being used on those fields too because that's quite important there are some out there that um they they're not going to make your horse sick but long term wise they're just not good to be ingesting so where you're in a position to potentially try and get better quality hay that's um i suppose more ethically produced then please do try and do that yeah, some, unfortunately, there's a lot of chemicals out there. Most of them work on the plant, but um, that it's they're designed to control or to kill. I get in with a good hay farmer that uh, is specifically growing for horses. I heard this. I don't know if it's definitely true, but I think it's the pesticide issue tends to be where crops are rotated. So like where, you know, something else is grown in a field for a year to give it a break. But I don't know if you do that as much with hay. Well, you know what? This is how we do it. Um, when you sow a hay field, you usually get that for about seven or eight years. And then you can uh, burn it to be able to go ahead and till it up. And then we'll usually do a winter wheat because the winter wheat, grows at a time where weeds aren't so common. So then you don't have to put your pesticides on that. And then once you get your wheat crop in, you can go ahead and sow your, your hay crop and you're okay. I would say the only time we would spray hay is um, to inhibit foxtail growth because foxtails can be really harmful to horses. They sh they shouldn't eat them. Sometimes they do, and then they get mouth ulcers, and they get caught uh, around their gums and between their teeth. And it can be really um, hard on the horses. So don't buy hay that has foxtail in it. But then we will put an inhibitor on that hay crop, um, especially alfalfa, because um, we don't want the foxtails growing in that. Brilliant. That I, I didn't know any of that. So that was really useful information, even for me. Yeah, it's wasted crop. I mean, it goes to cows if it has foxtail in it. And uh, it's weird. Some, some summers, you don't get any other summers. They're in every hay field. And um, then you have to go further north to find your uh, foxtail-free hay. So uh, I would say foxtail could be one of the more hazardous weeds um, that can end up in hay because it comes up so quickly and you don't notice it right away. 
So um, then the next year is when you would put your inhibitor on that crop to keep it from from uh, coming out again, ruining your hay crop. Brilliant. Yep. So, um, do you have anything else from this one, Nancy, that you wanted to point out? I don't think so. I think we covered it all. Um, it's just to you know, if you have any questions, contact a nutritionist and your veterinarian should have someone that they can refer you to. And don't forget Brittany Davis that we've had on the podcast. She's Davis Equine uh, in Canada, and she does quite a bit of uh, nutritional uh, counseling for horse owners. So you could even um, send her an email on what you're looking for and all that. But um, there's various ones throughout the country. Um, and even at universities, there's usually a nutritionist in, in their equine departments. And we'll pop a link for Brittany. Um, she even has great information on her website, general information. So we can pop a link for her when we share the episode. Yeah. And other than that, I think that's everything I had for this one. Yep. For me too, Kate, this was a long paper. So next week we're going into a totally different topic. So um, hope you've learned uh, something from this. I'll put the link to the paper again on the homepage. And if you have any problems accessing it, just send us a message and we'll um, help you get access to it. Brilliant. Thanks, Nancy. Take care. Thanks, Kate. Bye-bye.